This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Well, good afternoon, uh, everybody. What a summer we're having. Uh, myself and Brian Medore having this little chat in the newsroom earlier today, he's looking forward, of course, to uh, getting out and about and enjoying the great afternoon that we have before us. Uh, and it's really ex- uh, unusual to see these kind of temperatures and sunshine this time of year, isn't it? And we start to get, we used to always say, you know, after Labor, um, not Labor Day, sorry, Regatta Day, that, you know, summer was over. Well, we have had plenty of summer since Regatta Day. So I hope you are able to get outside and enjoy it. It's very important to enjoy a bit of outdoors and nature. Well, Central Health last week confirmed possible diagnostic discrepancies involving mammogram results. The health authority says some of the viewing stations used to analyze mammograms did not meet the recommended technical standard of 5 megapixels. Some of them were 3 megapixels. And that left the possibility that some changes uh, on some of these mammograms might not be caught. As a result, the files of 3,000 patients dating back two years are being reviewed. As of last week, just over 400 files had been reviewed and three discrepancies were found. Well, here with an update on the situation and a myriad of other issues involving health care is Health Minister Tom Osborne. Hello. Hello, Linda, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, speak with your listeners. Well, thanks, and and for getting back to us and being so um, available on this very important issue. So, so what is the latest on the situation in central health? Well, there are over eight hundred of the tests now reread. Um, there are uh, four tests that have been determined to have a different interpretation than the original reading. Uh, so, we do know that the uh, the risk. Uh, to patients is low. However, any risk is too much risk. Um, any time you have a, a difference um, of interpretation uh, from one test to another, it is a concern. So while the risk is very low, uh, we are taking this uh, situation very seriously. And uh, we've uh, communicated and, and impressed upon our health authorities that uh, the need to communicate uh, quickly and diligently uh, any information uh, to patients and to the general public. Right, because the the real impact here is just the the uncertainty. I can't imagine uh, being one of the patients involved in this and going, oh my God, I thought everything was fine. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the issue was with the test itself, uh, or sorry, not the, the test. The issue is not with, with the, the mammogram test, uh, how it was read. So what we do know is that uh, the Canadian standard is five megapixels on an image uh, for reading a mammogram. Um, some of the workstations that were used uh, were at three megapixels. Um, so... You know, while the risk is low, it, you're absolutely correct. That is the uncertainty. Um, we've got uh, over 800 uh, of the images reread, uh, with four cases that have been determined to have a different interpretation. So those interpretations uh, don't necessarily mean that it's uh, an adverse uh, impact on the individual. It means that there is a difference 
in the opinion or the interpretation uh, on the second read of those images. But that uncertainty uh, is a concern, and you know we appreciate the concerns, um, and we recognize the, the sensitivity, and that is why we have uh, requested and, and instructed that uh, these rereads happen in a timely manner uh, so that not only does the health authority uh, and the department fully understand the situation and what steps are required next, but that information is relayed quickly to uh, the general public and in particular to the patients. So what does that require now? Uh, no doubt, I know the, the whole process, you've been reaching out to the patients involved and that sort of thing, but will this require a second mammogram? How, how do you do the follow-up on that? No, the mammogram, the, the concern was not with the test or the mammogram. It was the reading of the image from the mammogram. Uh, so a second test is not required. Um, you know, uh, of the 3,000 individuals uh, that were identified in central health, um, there are a number of those individuals that these are routine screenings. So they, they get their, their uh, mammogram once a year. Some individuals are once every two years. Um, so many of the, uh, the screenings would have been duplicate screenings, um, you know, which, which also uh, is an indicator of the occurrence uh, presenting a low risk to patients. The, the challenge is uh, getting these done as quickly as possible. So of the, um, the 3,000 patients, they've got over 800 of the images reread. Uh, we've also directed um, Eastern Health, Western Health, and Lab Grenfell, based on this, to do a, re a review of uh, their imaging uh, to determine whether or not there were occurrences in those health authorities. Um, and again, while the risk is low, any occurrence or, or any difference of opinion is, is too many. Um, so we do expect an update from the other three health authorities uh, by midweek of this week. How many of these viewing stations are we talking about in central health and how many of them did not meet the standard? That is part of the review. So the, the most important thing, Linda, with, these, uh, re, uh, with, with the review is the reread of the images. We want to uh, put patients first and foremost we have, um, you know, going forward, Central Health um, has absolutely guaranteed that any new images will be read on five megapixels. But part of the review will determine how many of the workstations uh, were using three megapixels versus five. Uh, and while that is a priority, it is not the, uh, the largest priority. The, the most important priority here is getting the, the images reread a second time to determine who may uh, be impacted and to put patient safety first. So, you know, determining which of the workstations or, you know, how this came about, um, you know, why it took so long to, uh, to determine that there was a, a discrepancy in the workstations. All of that is important information and will follow. 
uh, but getting the the images reread is the first priority. So how are you doing that? Have you had to bring in extra staff? Or are some of these images being redirected to other health authorities where they have the the uh, five meg- megapixel viewing stations, or or are you working on the the number that are in central Newfoundland and just bringing in more staff? Well, Dr. Nancy Watton of Eastern Health, um, who's a radiologist with expertise in the area, is undertaking a full review. Um, and, you know, we wanted to um, ensure that, you know, we, we had a, a person with expertise uh, who was at arm's length to uh, the original reads and uh, you know, to ensure that there was um, uh, that independence and and the security, the uh, the safety for the patients. So, are you? Do you I mean, how are these being read? Are they? Are you? As I said, are you bringing in extra staff or overtime, or how is it being done? Um, that is an operational issue within Central Health. I do know that they. Um, have expedited the rereads of these. How many additional staff? I can't answer. We can certainly get that information for your listeners. Uh, you know that that's also important for your listeners to know. Uh, but where it is an operational issue, um, that would be handled by Central Health. Any idea why these viewing stations did not meet the uh, recommended technical standard? That will be determined uh, through the review. Uh, and the review will be, um, you know, detailed and extensive. That uh, piece of information, as I said, you know, the most important thing here right now and the priority is getting the images read a second time. Um, But it's also important to ensure that through the review, we determine, you know, that we determine the, uh, the reason uh, that some of the workstations only had three megapixels, uh, how many uh, only had three megapixels, how this happened, um, all of those things uh, will be done and will be done quickly. But the priority is getting the reread done of the, the original image. And will those um, three megapixel um, viewing stations, will they be replaced? Uh, the... So Central Health has guaranteed that any new reading of uh, images will be done on 5 megapixel. Um, We will be ensuring that all workstations are operating on 5 megapixel. um, And uh, whatever equipment is, is required or necessary will be put in place. Any word, and you referenced this earlier, but any word on the situation in the other health authorities, whether or not any of these uh, these other health authorities have these three megapixel viewing stations? Uh, I do understand that all three of the other health authorities will be providing a public update uh, by midweek of this week. Um, when when it was determined, uh, so the, the timelines involved, um, Central Health had had discovered that there was an issue uh, on Wednesday of the week before last, had informed us uh, later that day, uh, you know, the the afternoon of Wednesday, at which point uh, it was determined that a a, a full review would happen at Central Health. Uh, Through the course of uh, Thursday, 
and uh, Friday, they determined that there was an occurrence. Wednesday, it was um, understood that there was a potential of an occurrence. They had, um, uh, you know, by Friday, they confirmed that there was an occurrence. Uh, and Friday afternoon, we had uh, directed Central Health to provide a public update uh, to the general public on Monday and um, to start rereading the samples. Uh, by Wednesday of that week, they had uh, between 10 and 15 percent of the um, the images reread and uh, had uh, informed the general public on Wednesday. Um, that re the rereading of those images has continued, um, and uh, right now we're over 800 of the images have been reread. Uh, so that you know there the will be continuous progress on that. That's for the course of this week. You previously held the position of health minister, albeit under a different administration, during that period, during the ERT, uh, PR testing controversy. You must have had a sinking feeling when you just took over this portfolio and this came to light. Well, you know, the, the benefit is learning from uh, that inquiry, um, you know, how to proceed and deal with this situation. So, you know, I think that part of this, the... Uh, under Cameron, it was um, uh, pathology. Um, this time, it's radiology. Under Cameron, um, we were dealing with a number of individuals who had been confirmed to have had cancer. And in this particular case, uh, the uh, situation is not with the test, but, but the fact that it was read on 3 megapixel uh, versus 5 megapixel. And we knew uh, from the, the start of this uh, that the majority of screening uh, shows negative, but there may be uh, a low risk that some of the images would have a different interpretation. So it's, it's much different from Cameron, but what Cameron has uh, told us is that uh, you provide the information to the general public as quickly as you can and as thoroughly as you can. And I commend Central Health for doing that. My guest today on On Target is Health Minister Tom Osborne. We'll be back right after this. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is On Target on your VOCM. And our guest today is Health Minister Tom Osborne. We've been talking a little bit about the situation involving um, the um, viewing stations uh, for mammograms in central health, and we expect to get a little bit more information on that in the coming days. But uh, in the meantime, Minister Osborne, lots going on in the portfolio. You must have been th felt like you were thrown into the fire when you got started <laughs> on this. Uh, but uh, COVID remains among us. What's the, what's the current situation in this province? Uh, well, it does remain among us. Uh, as uh, the Chief Medical Officer of Health had indicated, um, you know, several months ago, uh, we now have to learn to live with COVID. Um, you know, same as, as people learn to live with other uh, infections that are prevalent in the community. 
And, you know, I think for the most part, uh, this province has done very, very well in terms of vaccination, in terms of uh, booster shots. Um, you know, the masking was uh, followed very solidly uh, amongst the population in this province when COVID was more prevalent throughout the community. Um, you know, it has uh, it's a little more relaxed now. And as a result, we, we see masking a little more relaxed. You still see plenty of people wearing their masks, but it's more relaxed. Uh, the uh, COVID is not as prevalent. And thanks to vaccination and boosters, um, the, the symptoms and the severity of symptoms has decreased um, in, in the population as well. Um, while we're still living with COVID, uh, you know, we, we may see ebbs and flows. We may see spikes in the, the prevalence of um, uh, COVID and, and different symptoms or different strains of COVID in the population. So we still have to be vigilant. Uh, vaccine is your best protection. We encourage people to continue to get their vaccine and, uh, and to get their boosters. And I feel like a fool sometimes, but I'm still going in the stores wearing my mask, and I'm one of the very few that is still out there wearing one. Yeah, and there are people that still do, you know, especially uh, those who are immunocompromised. Um, you know, I, I notice, uh, uh, you know, friends of mine or family members who may be immunocompromised are, are still more vigilant with mask usage. Uh, we do encourage people to wear masks if they're in large crowds or large gatherings uh, where possible. Um, you know, but we also encourage people to continue, you know, if you haven't got your booster, to get your booster. Um, while there's a very small portion of the population who haven't been vaccinated, uh, to reconsider whether or not they should be vaccinated. And you know, even uh, the, the flu vaccination um, throughout the province uh, for people to get that. And indeed, and, and it, the number of people I know who have had COVID uh, is extraordinary. It, it, you know, the numbers keep going up and up. And among many of them, it, they say, oh, you know what, I got it over in a few days. It was really no big deal. And then others are nailed. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, we all know individuals uh, who COVID has affected differently, uh, you know, and there, while the majority of people have mild symptoms and get over it uh, quickly, it can have an impact on, on individuals. And, you know, for some individuals, the impacts last longer than others. So it is important to be vigilant and, and certainly important to uh, get your vaccination. It is uh you know, a key way to minimize disruptions. It, it's um, in terms of vaccination, it is the best defense. Good uptake on those boosters and vaccines for children. It is. Uh, you know, ninety percent of students age twelve to nineteen are vaccinated, uh, which is solid. We've got uh, one of the best rates of juvenile vaccination. I, I would say globally, uh, certainly within Canada. Uh, the vaccination rates for younger children age 5 to 11 um, is just over 65%. Uh, 
Uh, we did notice a slowdown in vaccination over the summer months, which was to be expected uh, for two reasons. Uh, you know, I guess summer people have other things on their mind and the, the prevalence of COVID uh, over the summer months uh, this year has been uh, less in the community than we saw in previous months uh, earlier this year or last year. Uh, we do anticipate an uptake in in um, vaccination again now once um, uh, you know school starts and and people get back to the normal routine and we are uh, putting off a, an awareness campaign as well to encourage people to get vaccinated or to get their boosters. Any update on the the, the new vaccines that are being developed uh, against some of these newer strains and whether the province intends to get them for distribution? My understanding is uh, we anticipate getting those um, vaccines this fall. Um, and, you know, the general public will be updated as we get those vaccines. Uh, but, you know, the, the vaccines continue to evolve as different strains evolve. Uh, so when the, when the new vaccine or the new booster is available, I think it's important for anybody who's eligible for that booster to get it. So a lot of people now I hear, uh, those who are eligible for the booster are saying, oh, do I get it now or do I wait till the new one comes out? Will it make a difference? I think, you know, in large part, it depends on the length of time between shots, uh, the effectiveness of the vaccine uh, wanes a little over time uh, so if you've had a considerable time between your last shot and the booster uh, your best defense is getting the booster uh, there you know the the, the new booster um, will be a little different than the old booster so a lot of people are waiting for the new booster it is really a personal choice uh, but it depends in large part on, on the, the length of time between one shot and the next. My guest today on On Target is Health Minister Tom Osborne. When, when we come back, Tom, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, monkeypox and the vaccine availability here right after this. The Workday Winds Down with Greg Smith in The Drive. Get up to speed on the day's events and current traffic, weather, and community updates each weekday afternoon on your VOCM. This is On Target on your VOCM. And we're back. Our guest today on On Target is Health Minister Tom Osborne. And we were on the COVID theme, Tom, and schools open next week. You know a little bit about that situation. But um, what about COVID precautions in the classroom? Do you expect masks to continue to be used? And I'm not sure why we're not hearing the minister. Um, Our producer is trying to look into it for a moment. Um, But our guest today on on Target is Health Minister Tom Osborne. And are we good to go there now, Fonz? Yes. So, uh, Tom, as I was saying, uh, you're the former education minister. Um, Schools open next week, of course. What about those COVID precautions in the classroom? So this year will be largely the same um, in terms of public health requirements as it was when the 2021-22 school year ended. Uh, Masks are recommended. Um, That is guidance from public health, that masks are not uh, not only protect others, but protect the person wearing the mask. So we do recommend mask usage. They're not not required, but recommended. Um, Public health provide the guidance to uh, the Department of Health, as well as the Department of Education, 
and uh, we will continue to follow the guidance of public health. Um, I know that the public health will uh, continue to dialogue with the Department of Education. Um, those discussions uh, continue on uh, in anticipation of the opening of school, but throughout the school year as well. And they will continue to monitor the prevalence uh, of COVID, uh, illness, um, absences, and so on, and will provide guidance um, based on those uh, factors. And what about the uh, monkeypox situation? I know there were two presumed uh, or probable cases in the province um, just a few weeks ago. What What is the current situation? So there are still uh, two probable cases um, in the province. We know of those two cases. Um, the, the risk of spread of monkeypox uh, is not uh, the same as COVID. Um, you know, however, uh, we do have vaccines and we have um, sufficient supply of vaccine uh, for all um, eligible groups. Uh, the groups that are vulnerable, um, and uh, the vaccines are in the province. Um, the regional health authorities uh, take names of individuals who uh, are requesting the vaccine, and at present, we have um, 65 individuals throughout the province who have requested the vaccine, um, and uh, of that, approximately uh, 20 vaccine doses have been, have been administered to date. Uh, so when the health authorities uh, take the names, they will determine then um, when the vaccine clinic will happen. Um, I know that the first vaccine clinic uh, for St. John's will take place on Friday, September 1st. Um, and uh, there will be... Uh, regularly scheduled clinics each week. Uh, clients um, can also be accommodated in other ways, such as at uh, other community sites or on a case-by-case -case basis when needed. Uh, there were some concerns raised by the uh, NDP that there were there was a lag between when people called and said, look, I'm interested in this vaccine, and the appointment or the vaccine being um, made. Um, is there any particular reason behind that, or did you just want to get a sense of how many people were requesting it before you started administering it? Well, there, there's a couple of factors involved, and, you know, I do um, take the... Uh, the advice that communication uh, could be better. Um, but we also understand from the health authorities uh, that, you know, the, the individuals they've spoken with, they did uh, indicate that uh, when they did have um, enough to warrant the, the clinic uh, taking place, that that would happen. Um, I, I would caution when making comments um, because some of the comments made were not a true sense of what's really happening. Uh, and sometimes when comments are made, you, you raise concerns within especially vulnerable um, sectors of the population, and that is unfortunate. Uh, the communication could be better, but uh, there isn't a significant lag in uh, in the time somebody registers and the time of a uh, of a vaccine uh, clinic taking place. One of the factors here 
uh, while the vaccine is in the province. Um, the regional health authorities uh, have been acting responsibly to ensure uh, that they have enough people booked for the clinic uh, without an unnecessary delay or, or an undue delay, but they, they will make sure that they have enough people booked for the clinic because while we have enough vaccine in the province for all of the el eligible groups, uh, as outlined, um, the health authorities still have to be good stewards of this vaccine to ensure minimal wastage. There's a short sh uh, shelf life for the vaccine of 14 days once it's thawed. Um, and we need to ensure uh, that we minimize the wastage so that all um, uh, of the eligible groups can get the vaccine. Um, there is enough supply for all groups, but we don't need to waste the vaccine and we need to, to be good stewards of the vaccine. Do you anticipate or expect that the eligibility criteria might change over time or expand? It may very well, and we take our guidance uh, from um, the federal government, Public Health uh, Canada, um, in terms of uh, the eligibility requirements. Uh, anybody who is considered to be um, a part of, of the eligible groups are eligible for the vaccine. Um, and the, you know, the, the, the situation as it stands, we, we did put out an open call for those who considered themselves uh, part of, of the eligible groups. And uh, there are 65 individuals to date who have requested the vaccine. My guest today on On Target is Health Minister Tom Osborne. When we come back, Tom, uh, the, the, the thing on most people's minds these days is the recruitment and retention of uh, physicians and other health care professionals, frontline health care professionals. We'll be back right after this. Weekday mornings from 530 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM morning show. This is On Target on your VOCM. And our guest today is Tom Osborne, the health minister. And Tom, what's the latest now on the ongoing efforts to recruit and retain not only physicians, but nurses and other frontline workers? Um, well, I mean, we, we acknowledge uh, that we have to become more competitive and better at recruitment and retention. And we've put a number of initiatives in place. The Premier opened the Recruitment and Retention Office, uh, which is staffed by a, a physician um, as a, an ADM. We have other uh, staff that have been recruited to that office and, and others still yet to be uh, in the process of recruitment. Each of the health authorities uh, have added additional resources in terms of recruitment and retention. Uh, the department is meeting regularly with our health authorities, um, discussing recruitment and retention, looking at uh, where the gaps have been uh, and looking at how we improve recruitment and retention. Um, we have made the, the recruitment and retention office accountable for building a world-class recruitment and retention program in concert and, and in collaboration and partnership with um, key stakeholders. We put out a, a campaign uh, which 
uh, will be international in scope. Um, it's called Extraordinary Every Day to help market this province as a place to live, uh, work and raise a family. Um, uh, the lifestyle that this province offers um, when somebody chooses to uh, locate in Newfoundland and Labrador. We've increased the number of seats in nursing, um, in licensed practical nursing and personal care attendants at the Mun Medical School. And we've increased the number of seats for uh, the residency program at Memorial. While those are longer term uh, initiatives, we recognize we are competing with every other province in Canada who are facing the same challenges we are in terms of recruitment, retention, uh, diversions and closures of, of the airs all across the country. We've just got to be better than they are. Have you had any interest from physicians looking to relocate? We have. Um, and, you know, areas like FOBO, uh, we're in active discussion with a physician uh, on a permanent basis, uh, for example, for FOBO Island. Um, we've seen a huge improvement in Bonavista's coverage, um, you know, a significant uh, reduction of, of diversions uh, in Bonavista. We employ uh, virtual care uh, when we can't get uh, physicians or, or locums to cover an area. Um, and we're looking to expand virtual care. In fact, uh, I've got a meeting with our health authorities uh, this week on um, how we expand virtual care looking at increasing uh, our, the scope of practice for all of our health disciplines so that they're operating to the full scope of practice. So, you know, there's a number of initiatives that are ongoing uh, and we will see improvement. These things take some time um, uh, to, uh, to resolve. Uh, and again, you know, when I say they take some time to resolve, the one of the biggest challenges are you look at Ontario with emergency room closures. Uh, you look at other provinces with, um, you know, the, the challenges in recruitment and retention. Uh, I know I've heard uh, the opposition tout Nova Scotia as an example of what we should be doing, but I've spoken to the uh, uh, to folks in Nova Scotia. Um, you know, they have. Um, Approximately, the College of uh, Physicians and Surgeons in Nova Scotia indicate they have approximately 100,000 people without a family physician as we speak. You know, so every province is facing uh, challenges. Uh, there are a number of health professional uh, positions in, in every province that go vacant uh, as we speak. And, you know, I, while every province is competing to attract, uh, to retain um, health professionals, like I said, Linda, we, we've just got to become better at doing it in this province, and that is what we are striving to do. What about the efforts to attract retired physicians back into the fold? Uh, we've uh, started a pilot project um, with the NLMA. Uh, we've put incentives in place to attract retired physicians back. Uh, we have some physicians, you know, who may want to uh, vacation or, or spend part of the year uh, down south but are back here for a significant part of the year or other physicians who have wound up their practice and decided to retire but you know would be willing to put a month or a couple of months in in terms of service 
we have had some interest from retired physicians uh, and we're working with those individuals. We don't anticipate, and when we announced, I, I signaled uh, publicly that we didn't anticipate uh, you know, an opening of the floodgates with that program. But if we got one or two, uh, I said at the time, then that's one or two additional individuals that can cover off time or cover off ships in in uh, in you know somewhere in the province. So even getting one is is a successful program, um, and we do have interest from retired physicians. A certification of healthcare professionals, of course, absolutely uh, necessary. Nobody wants to see a corners cut there. But uh, has that process been streamlined at all when it comes to foreign trained doctors? It has, and you know I. Uh, the, the colleges, whether it's the College of Physicians and Surgeons or the colleges, the College of Nurses, uh, for example, they have to be re- they're self-governed. You know, they they determine um, uh, the, the standards at at which they uh, admit somebody to practice in the province, and they have to maintain standards because the health and safety of patients comes first and foremost. But while, while maintaining those standards, uh, for example, uh, we've had very progressive discussions uh, with the College of Physicians and Surgeons, and you know they, they've eased some of the, uh, the barriers uh, to individuals coming to this province while maintaining the standard uh, that is expected by the general public and demanded by the general public in terms of uh, patient safety. I see a lot of progress being made there on the new mental health and addictions uh, facility on uh, Prince Philip Parkway, but uh, we continue to hear stories and see very sad cases involving people who are struggling with the mental health uh, situation, not getting the supports that are needed. Um, Where are we with that and and what kind of improvements are being made? Well, I know that, you know, the former minister uh, Haggy. Uh, had made a tremendous amount of progress in terms of mental health in this province. Um, is everything fixed? Absolutely not. Uh, but we're in much better shape in terms of the delivery um, of mental health than we were five years ago or 10 years ago. There's still much more work to be done. Um, part of that is is eliminating the stigma. Um, you know, mental health uh, care is health care. Uh, if somebody has diabetes, it's seen as health care. If somebody has a mental health issue, uh, it should be seen as health care. And, you know, part of, of uh, moving forward was removing that stigma. Uh, wait times have been improved uh, compared to what they were a number of years ago. Um, you know, so there has been great progress, but much more work needs to be done. And I, I don't know if it's under your purview, but this, this exodus, I, I guess, if you want to call it that, of, of psychologists and uh, from the healthcare system uh, going into private practice or, or leaving the province altogether, um, what can be done to stem that tide? I've met with the psychologists. You know, one of the um, challenges and, and one of the things we have to work on is... is um, Obviously, work-life balance, uh, working conditions. Um, you know, the, the psychologists uh, within our, our clinical setting, uh, uh, pay is always important, but it's not necessarily the most important factor. Um, and 
we need to strengthen uh, the approach uh, to human resource practices and programs um, if we're going to recruit physicians, uh, and in particular, in this particular case, psychologists. Uh, so working in partnership with stakeholders uh, to look at uh, some of the workplace issues is important. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the first things in, in determining that, uh, in, in determining how to fix a problem is to acknowledge that uh, there is, and we acknowledge that there are issues. Uh, and I look forward to further discussions with our psychologists uh, to try and address those issues. Have you been able to reverse some of that um, trend, if you will? Uh, we haven't seen yet the the recruitment that's necessary um, in the uh, the field of, of psychologists. Uh, we we continue to have discussions. Um, we will make things better. Um, and you know the, those discussions will continue. I know officials are um, working on and looking at some of of the issues that were raised with us. Tom Osborne, I do appreciate your time. We have uh, less than a minute left. Any final thoughts? Well, I want to thank all of our healthcare professionals. Uh, you know, we've gone through the pandemic. Uh, we've gone through uh, the cyber attack in the province, and our healthcare professionals have continued to put patients first and foremost uh, they we saw that in central health when we had the uh, the diversion of patients out of uh, the hospitals and long-term care in central health and our healthcare professionals moved with the patients um, i recognize the tremendous contribution that they've put in and I also understand that we need to recruit additional people to work side by side and help, help lift the load and ease the burden, and we are working on that. Uh, so I want to thank our healthcare professionals, uh, you know, for continuing to stay strong uh, against the adversity of the pandemic and the cyber attack and, and the recruitment challenges faced across the country. Minister Osborne, I do appreciate your time. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. And we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we think about when we think about Newfoundland and Labrador and the things that attract people here. We think about the weather. We think about the whales. We think about the icebergs. But who, who thinks about fungus? Anyway, we're going to think about fungus tomorrow. <laughs> we're going to talk about it anyway. Uh, stay tuned for that. Thanks so very much.